What's up, everybody? We're back. Episode three. I'm super excited for this week. Got uh, some cool stuff to share with you. Um, just kind of continuing on, on on kind of the story of how we got to where we're at. And last week, I took the week off. I grabbed my kids. We go skiing every summer for one week. And I took all my gear. I was going to record the podcast there and all excited to do it. And then we showed up first day and I was like, yeah, it's not going to happen. So we're back now. I, I got tons more that I want to share and talk about here. So lots more podcasts coming. Uh, but here we go, episode three. So last week, I talked a little bit about personalizing your system. And I was going to tell you a little bit about how things kind of fell apart with this builder and never really got there. And I want to finish that because it has everything to do with why we are who we are today as a company. But first, I want to, I want to touch on this idea of personalizing. Right before I left last week to uh, on vacation, I worked with one of our design clients. I actually met with them. We did our Zoom conference. And it was an interesting experience because we had designed, you know, a pretty modest Control 4 system. It had a dozen rooms of audio, four or five TVs, some lightweight lighting control, and a small video distribution package. I mean, it was a, it was a legitimate Control 4 system, but it wasn't anything heavy duty or out of this world crazy. And we met with a client. He described himself as retirement age. And what was interesting about it is he knew exactly what he wanted. He knew how he uses his house, and how he's going to use his house. So we're walking through the project together, and he's like, look, I'm never going to listen to audio in this room. I, like, It doesn't matter what's going on. I will never listen to music in this room. I will never have a TV in this room. I know that this is how I'm going to use my home. And because he was so sure of how he was going to use his home, we took this Control 4 system and totally changed it, stripped out a whole bunch of parts, and it basically became a very simple 3-4 zone Sonos setup some Lutron Cassetta lighting control, and a universal remote for his TV and surround sound. That's it. It's not even a Control 4 system. And I share that with you because, number one, people that reach out to us about the design service a lot of times think that you have to be buying a Crestron system or a Savant system or a really elaborate project, and that's not the case. But number two, it goes to this whole point of personalizing systems around your lifestyle. I got a, a message from a client and a friend in the space on Instagram talking about his savant system and why he likes it or doesn't like it. I told him what I would do in my home, and he kind of said, well, you know, that's more of the same. You should be using savant, not those other products. And I never really responded, but the thing that came to my, my mind is we're not looking at it right if we get hung up on which system is best. What we need to be looking at is how are you going to use your system? What's the experience you want to have inside of your home? Are you a music person? And if you're a music person, do you listen to music throughout the house? Or do you only listen to music in one room? When you're watching the ball game, do you like having the commentator through all the speakers throughout the house? Or do you want to go in your man cave and shut yourself away from the world and be left alone? Maybe you're not an audio or video guy at all, but you're really into lighting control and shade control. That was what happened with our Boca Raton client. If you follow our Boca Raton client uh, project at all, a lot of people were like, Matt, why did you use Savant on that system? You know it doesn't work well with this product or that product. And the funny thing is that system was largely designed by that client. By his own account, he said he did a scholarly level of research. That was the phrase he used, a scholarly. He talked about reading journals. This guy researched everything there is to know about low-voltage lighting and lighting, circadian rhythms, the effect that lighting has on our well-being and our psyche, he read about aging in place. He read a fascinating study about a submarine and the people deployed on this submarine. And it was 
they used low voltage lighting with temperature control and they they documented the health and wellness of the people on that submarine versus another and he was sold he knew that he wanted to have that tech in his home we had been through the design process with him already and we had told him he should use a, a different system based on everything he was trying to accomplish he came back to us and he said I've narrowed it down. I'm going to use USAI lighting for my lighting solution. And I have to use Savant because it's the solution that can control the USAI lighting. He figured out what he wanted, how he wanted to use the system inside of his own home. And that's how the system was designed. It was very personalized to him and how he knew he was going to use his home. That should be the goal in this for everybody involved. The builder, the dealer, the, the, you, the homeowner. We want to design the technology for your home in the way that best matches your lifestyle. When things were going really bad with this home builder, I had a meeting with a home builder. And one of the things I said to him is I said, we've got to step back and understand when you move into your home, you're going to experience your home through its technology. Here's what I mean. When you're building your home and you're designing your home, you're focused on flooring and cabinets and countertops and window treatments and furniture as you should be. When you move into your home, you're going to use those things while you're watching TV, while you're attending a webinar, while you're on a Zoom conference, while you're barbecuing and listening to music. Technology is largely going to drive the way you use your home. And so if we just walk in and slap up TVs everywhere we want, throw audio in everywhere we want, and just kind of say, this is what you should have, it robs you of the ability of tailoring the technology to your home and the way that you're actually going to use and experience your home and your system. And that should be the goal. And when we do that, everybody wins. So last week, I was going to tell you about this, this builder relationship and how it blew up and never really got to it. I want to circle back to that. And the intention here isn't like a woe is me, feel bad for Matt. It, as our story progresses, I think you'll start to see how this fits in and why it's so important. So much of the company we are today stems from the things we learned from lessons during this period in our business. If you didn't listen to the first few podcasts, we landed a contract with a home builder doing what was supposed to be at the time 500 homes a year. First big mistake I made is in like the 23rd hour, builder calls a meeting. We're all gathered around conference table. He's like, hey, I'm going to give you guys the job. You've won the bid. Oh, by the way, here's an exclusive that you have to sign if you want the job. At the time, we were in Dallas and Idaho and Utah was going to be our third market. We thought, hey, this, you know, this is fine. Um, it doesn't need to float the ship. It just needs to make some money in Utah, so we'll be okay. So we signed the agreement, and long story short, it buried us. It almost destroyed us. We couldn't keep up. We couldn't keep up financially. Couldn't keep up with the service. What we didn't comprehend at the time is that if you have 30 pre-wires in a month, or 30 starts, we'll call it, new, new homes being built, that translates to 120 jobs a month if everything goes perfect. 30 pre-wires, 30 trims, 30 programs, 30 service tickets. If it's perfect, and it never is, and you never get paid for it when it's not perfect. So it destroyed us. We had to shut down Dallas. We had to shut down Idaho. We had to put all of our energy into to Utah. And we were in this contract that was almost penalizing us. So now we've got half the business, half the revenue coming in, and we're in a contract, and we can't go out and work with other builders or bring in other clients. I finally go and I meet with a builder year in, and I level with them. I'm like, first of all, we said it was going to be 500 homes a year. You changed right after we signed the contract and came on board, came out and told all your trade partners that you're only going to do 200 homes a year. Last year, we did 180 homes. Like, this isn't going to work. We're going to go out of business if we don't make a change here. And that's bad for you and it's bad for us. So how can we work together 
and to his credit, he agreed and was very understanding about it, allowed us to rework the agreement, and we were able to go out and start finding new home builders to work with. And so we went to work and, and we brought on a few more builders and before long we were doing you know, about 350 homes a year between a half dozen different builders. And at the time we thought, well, if we just bring on more volume, it's gonna take care of some of our problems. We'll have more revenue, we'll be able to pay for more staff, things will get better. And instead it just amplified all the problems um, exponentially. Everything was getting worse. Everything was getting worse. Like it wasn't getting better anytime soon. There were a couple of really big problems. First, what we learned is that we had no control. And here's what I mean. We would go and we would meet with a builder and their team. And we would say, hey, you know, after a year, here's feedback. These products, these solutions, these pre-wire packages, even if they're good and legit and valid, are lending themselves to service headaches, warranty issues, problems for you, the builder, and us, creating unhappy customers. We should just do away with these products and offerings and say that they're no longer available because they have a propensity to create problems more than a happy client. And the builder and the team would go, oh yeah, we agree. And a week later, we would get a contract for a new start. And one of the things we just said that we all agreed we weren't going to do anymore was included in the contract. And we would go, oh, no big deal. We just had this conversation. We'll just politely let the client know that we're no longer offering that, that that isn't something that we do. Well, lo and behold, we get a phone call from a builder saying, hey, I don't know what the problem is. This client's going to walk. So you go there and you do it and you do it now. To make it worse, a lot of times when that phone call came, pre-wire was already done. Sheetrock was up. Now we're retrofitting homes. We'd be like, well, guys, like, we're not even supposed to do this. The builder would be like, well, tough. And we're not going to pay you for it. It's your fault. It's your mistake. Service tickets. We would call clients and we would go out to their home. They'd have a new router, new network. We'd have to completely reprogram the system. We'd say, hey, look, this is in the contract. It's you know this minimal fee for us to come out if you redo your network. They'd call, they'd call the builder and threaten to leave a nasty review. Builder would call us and say, whatever the problem is, we need you to fix it and we need you to fix it for free so that this doesn't become a problem. So this dynamic was destroying us. And what made it hard is that we didn't have any means of controlling the expectations. There was no way for us to make sure whatever the client had been promised was actually what we were going to do. One of, one of like the worst things that happened in this stretch, those of you that followed us in the early days, if you're listening to this, you may remember we, we did a whole thing on Snapchat, but we did a fiber optic star ceiling for a guy's theater. And we had to get the theater and the ceiling approved by the builder because it was way outside of their sandbox that they had usually allowed. But they said okay and they greenlit it. It was a $5,000 custom star ceiling. The sheetrock company came in after we finished hanging the sheetrock and they completely mudded down all of the fiber optics with about a half inch of mud, completely covered them. So the ceiling was gone, toast. We had to cut down the ceiling, completely do new sheetrock, buy about half the fiber a second time, reinstall it, rehang it. And when it was all said and done, the builder hit us with a fee and told us it was our fault and that we had to pay for the extra sheetrock, the extra mud, and the extra paint. So we're losing thousands of dollars on these projects. If you go and you look at our Google reviews right now, you'll notice there's a whole bunch of negative reviews. And we own this, and, and we know some of this is our own making, but about 99% of those negative reviews come from this relationship with this builder. We got decimated. And what made it so bad is that when we started trying to reach out, 
find new builders, find new clients. In our own market in Utah, we had a nasty reputation. Nobody wanted to see us. One of two things would happen. They would go, well, you're that company that does the cookie cutter homes. You can't do a theater. You can't do a real smart home. Or they would say, oh, we heard about you guys. Our buddy's buddy's buddy got a home from this builder and it was a disaster and we would never use you guys. So we, we, we were getting destroyed. And it, it no longer was about simply finding new revenue. It was about protecting our reputation while we figured out a way to bring in new funds. So we were at this transition point. We knew that we had to make a change. We knew that the builder was as unhappy with us as we were with the relationship and that it wasn't going to last much longer. But we figured we had a 6 to 12 month runway. About that time on a whim, I go to a, a marketing convention. I didn't even know why I was going. In fact, I bought the ticket and I was like, this is crazy. I'm not going to go. And my brother Scott, who's not with us anymore, calls me up and he's like, hey, I saw this thing in our email reminder. You don't even have tickets yet. I just booked your travel. You're going. You need to go. I'm like, all right. So I pack up. I fly out to Dallas, Texas for this convention. It's three days long. Fourth day, we have all these motivational speakers like Tony Robbins speaks, a couple other people speak. I had no idea what I was in for. The marketing side of the convention was game-changing for me because it made me realize that I could use basic solutions like blogs and Instagram videos to start creating tips for homeowners so that they would understand more realistically what the system would do and what it wouldn't do, and that we could address pain points that they wanted to stay away from. And then, you know, for the remainder of the 8 or 12 months that we would remain with this builder, new clients came to us from that builder. We could point them towards these products and these videos to try and help them understand what they were actually getting and have a happier client. That was huge for me. Kind of just like, oh my gosh, this is how we can fix the problem that our clients are having and that we're having and move forward, growing revenue and and rebuilding our reputation. I remember I was flying home and the whole flight home, I couldn't stop thinking about it. It was sort of a liberating experience. And I got off the plane and I told my wife, like, I'm not going to do it anymore. And she's like, all right, well, what is it you're not going to do anymore? And she said, if we're going to keep doing smart homes, we've got to be able to do it on our terms. We can't have somebody between us and the client. We've got to have control. If we screw up the project, if we miss a wire, if we put in the wrong product, if we botch the programming, we'll own it. We'll fix it. We'll honor it. We'll make it right. But we've got to be able to do this thing on our terms. We've got to be able to, to have a relationship with a client that we can control not have some person that we don't even know between us and the client saying who knows what to the client and not having any idea what the client's been told that we've got to somehow try and honor. And we've got to stop agreeing to things that we know are bad for the homeowner and bad for us just because of a third party tells us that we have to do it. And as a group, we had this same discussion. We met, we talked this through, and the reality is we were burned out. We were done emotionally. And we agreed that this was a change we had to make But we knew we were going to lose a ton of business, if not all of our existing business, to make this change. And it's not like we went out and told everybody to kick rocks. We we waited until we had different meetings with different channel partners and topics would come up. We'd be like, hey, look, guys, we, we know that this used to be the way things were done, but it doesn't work. And clients are unhappy and we've got to start saying no to these things. And when you call us out for a legitimate service ticket, we've got to actually start billing for the service tickets. And we knew what was going to happen. And it did. At its peak during this period, we were working with seven different builders that were considered production builders that were sending us some 
volume of homes consistently. And over the next 8 to 12 months, we lost every single one of those channel partners except for one. A guy named Jerem that I'll tell you more about in the next podcast. And it was actually really cool how that relationship came to be. Every single award-winning project we've ever had came from one of Jerem's homes. So cool story. I'll tell you about that in the next podcast. So this was a really scary time for us. There's a couple of things that I want to say. Number one, it's not like we went in and were combative and had fights with these builders. All these builders were really cool. There was an understanding that they were unhappy with the solution and we were unhappy with dynamics of the relationship and that it just wasn't a good fit. The largest of these builders, the one that we had the most trouble with, I met with one of the four partners several times and I consider him a friend. I consider him a mentor in a business capacity and somebody I look up to and have great respect for. Then I believe that if you'd asked him, he would say similar things about us and the relationship that we had with him. But it was a horrible experience for us, for them, and for the clients. Like everybody lost. It was painful. But one of the things that came out of this is we started using social media and the internet to answer client questions. Our YouTube channel launched, our Instagram channel launched, our blog launched, our info products like our ebook, all of that launched. And if you remember, the goal of those products was just to help match client expectations to reality. Because with all these different builders, clients would move in and they're like, well, the sales rep for the builder told me that I was going to get this. Like, well, the, the, the thing that you're getting like doesn't even do that. That's like, it's like buying a car and thinking you got a motorcycle. Like they're not even in the same sandbox. And understandably, the client would be frustrated. <laughs> and so it helped us start lining up expectations with reality. And customer satisfaction started going up quickly. But one of the challenges that we still had is that our reputation in our own local market was still highly tarnished. And so we were scrapping every which way we could to find projects, like basically giving stuff away. If you, if you know us, We've done a number of what are called Parade of Homes. In, in the state of Utah, they do Parade of Homes every year, and different counties will have all the builders come together, and they'll build you know, 15 to 30 homes that are on parade for two weeks. And everybody in the community can walk through these homes for two weeks and see and, and learn about the builders and the different trades in the market. And we would do anything and everything we could to be in those Parade of Homes to show people that, like, look, we can do really cool tech and we can do it in big homes that win awards, and we can be the technology company behind it. And it took about three years to convince the local market that we really were good enough to do that and kind of get away from our old reputation. Along the way, clients out of state started calling us and asking us to do work. And it was this weird dynamic of like, well, nobody in Utah wants us, but everybody outside of Utah wants us. And we need business, so we'll take what we can get. And at first, there was no, like, it never even crossed our mind that we would fly to Florida and pre-wire, install, and program a system, or to California or Virginia Beach, or that we would design systems for clients around the world. Like, that never, ever crossed our mind. What we hoped we could do is provide some value to clients in the form of ebooks and some videos and supplement a little bit of our revenue until business in Utah started picking back up. 
This is where I, I want to end the episode. I want to tell you more about our buddy Jerem and that relationship. I, number one, I think you'll find it interesting. But, you know, in addition to helping us recover from hitting rock bottom, basically, it was so influential in, in who we become. All the awards that we won, so much of what we do today in terms of our design consultation is because of things that we learned while working on his projects. There's some incredible projects and clients and systems that we installed while working with him and hard, difficult lessons learned that translated into everything else that we're doing that you see from us on Instagram, in YouTube, and our blogs. As we close things up this week, I hope what's coming through in these first set of episodes is how important the user experience is and your expectations of those user, of that user experience. The more research you do and the more time you spend early on when you're designing your system and meeting with your dealer and meeting with your builder to make sure that what you think the system is going to do is what the system is actually going to do, the happier you're going to be. You got to step back and think about it. The, the word, the, the technology umbrella is about 5 to 10% of your home's budget. Now, that encompasses a lot of different things, more so than just your home audio and video, right? It's your TVs, it's your network, it's your security, it's your cameras, it's your solar panels, it's you know your, your batteries and your chargers for your electrical vehicles. Like There's a lot of tech that goes into the budget of your home, but enough so, and that number is only going to increase as we go forward, it makes sense to invest some time in really understanding what you're getting, how it's going to work. So that when you move into your home and you fire it up for the first time, it works exactly the way that you thought it was going to. And if we get to that, all of us win. That's it for this week. Appreciate you listening more than you know. And the comments, the, those of you that have reached out, means the world to me. We'll keep them coming. We'll see you next week.